What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast. We are six weeks away from the Surf and Sales Summit, November 27th to December 1st and December 2nd through December 6th down in Playa Grande, Costa Rica. Check it out at surfandsales.com if you're looking for a great way to end the year. little relaxation, a little learning, a lot of networking. We'll see you there. Richard, how you What's doing, up? man? I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. Do yeah. we want to spend any time talking about the fact that you are 0-6 in fantasy football so far? Yes, we can spend as much time as you want. I just think it's going to bore our guest. Uh, yeah, I think I think all I needed to do was mention it, and the desired effect uh, has been had so far. So yes. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Not that my team is that much better, but we digress. We are yeah. uh, going to welcome a uh, sales development representative, somebody on the front lines today, actively prospecting, actively doing the good work, trying to create pipeline and opportunity. And uh, I think it's important, and Richard does too, we both think it's important to talk to people, not just people who have made it and are really far along in their career, but also people who are in the trenches, so to speak. We're going to be talking to Jordan Abbott, all the way from the UK, working for Vidyard. We'll welcome him in just a second. Richard, Tell everybody about our wonderful sponsor. Yeah, I want to thank HubSpot. Uh, and their whole theme is, you know, let's win Q4 um, with HubSpot Sales Hub. If you didn't know, they've got this amazing ability to create this hub to help everybody finish out the year strong and even start prepping for next year as you get closer to December. So it's, you know, super cool to see. Um it allows you to unify your data and your tools, get your teams inside. It's got AI, it lets you find your data faster, it lets you mine that data for more things. Um, and so we're really excited that HubSpot has been sponsoring us all year. We really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much. And let's, let's go back over to Jordan. Uh, Jordan, uh, tell us, tell people, give everybody some context, right? So what's your role? How long have you been there? What you're doing? And we'll go from there. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks uh, for, for having me uh, initially. So, yeah, Jordan Abbott, SDR at Vidyard currently. Um, as a bit of context on my background, I initially trained as an actor. That was uh, my sort of big dream. Um, so my two main passions are sales and acting. Fortunately, I get to sort of combine those two passions through some of the content that I create. Um, sort of telling stories in outside of the box ways. Um, I actually, where I trained is uh, is a small town right in the south of England. Um, in the summer, you know, we we called it Falifornia. It's uh, Falmouth by by actual name. Uh, unfortunately, the surf's not so good down there. If you go to the north coast, you might find sort of six to eight foot swells. Um, I tried my hand at surfing, was absolutely terrible, but I enjoyed it. You got to come to our, like lessons are included. It's calm, well waves, the water's like 85 degrees. It's like, it's beautiful. So plus you get to hang out with really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine for, for us that the water was freezing. I'm talking, you know, full wetsuit, booties, hood gloves the lot um so uh yeah not not quite as pleasant an experience i imagine 
Um, but yeah, just uh, in relation to my career in sales so far, you know, I'm sort of three years in, I'd say. Um, the first year or so was was rough. Um, you know, it wasn't plain sailing. I was doing the the sort of traditional um, methods, you know, hammering the phones, sending tons of tailored emails and feeling quite demoralized when um, I wasn't achieving what I wanted to. So I knew something had to change. A uh, couple of key things that that I really changed was, you know, bringing my whole self to work, being more human, being more personal, being more biocentric. Um, but also I recognised the power of social and the power of video. Um, and it just uh, sort of so happened that I started using Vidyard. Um, after making those changes, my meeting booking rates increased by 6.7x. So I went from 1.3% at up to 9%. So for every 1,000 people I asked, 90 would accept and actually turn up to that call. Um, and yeah, so, you know, when I saw that Vidyard were hiring, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, I, I had to jump at the opportunity with both hands, you know. Um, it's a lot easier to sell something that you genuinely believe in, right? Um, so yeah, that that brings me to, to where I am today. So it's interesting that you mentioned acting being your passion and the corollaries between acting and sales. The, the immediate thought that I have is, you know, an actor gets handed a script and it's your job to bring that script to life. I could deliver the lines and sound like absolute shit and you could deliver the same lines and it would sound amazing. And I've often thought that talk tracks and sales scripts are like that. And the scripts unnecessarily get the blame it's not necessarily the script it's the lack of life and passion breathed into the script from the sales rep it, do you agree with that and are there other corollaries between acting and sales beyond that yeah completely completely agree with that um it's all about as you said bringing that to life and telling those those stories you know i think at at its heart, that's what good sales is. It's storytelling. Um, and it's all about resonating with your prospect, with your your buyer at the end of the day. Um, when you think of, of your favourite film, typically the reason it's your favourite is because you really resonate and are attracted to a certain character. Um, and, you know, I think people buy from people. It's as simple as that. If you can build those really strong relationships with people, uncover those pain points and really fixate around how you can um, resolve them, then you're on to a winner. I've got a, I got a couple yeah. of questions. And I, I love what you said around, you know, storytelling. And I've sort of been dropping the phrase around story selling versus storytelling. Nobody wants to be told anything, right? Um, yeah. I'm curious though, from a from a from the thespian point of view, right? From an actor's point of view, what are the things you have to tell yourself to own it, right? To to you know, as Scott was saying, you know, really make sure you bring it to life, right? Um, you know, and and is it really just repetition, right? Is it really repetition to just memorize it so that it just flows for you like i'm just curious if there's something in your head that you're like okay here's how i learned to do this in acting yeah yeah it's a really great 
great question. Um, so I think repetition is is crucial um, because each time you do something, it's going to be slightly different and it's going to uncover um, certain nuances. Um, and I think really it's all about the depth that you can bring to a performance, but also the depth and layers that you can bring into um, a sales cycle, you know, um, rather than just fixating on, uh, you know, a singular pain point, you really need to identify, okay, um, what impact is this going to have on you? What impact is this going to have on your team? What impact is this going to have on the, the larger strategic imperatives? I think as soon as you can attach something to a strategic imperative, that's when a deal will progress a lot a lot quicker, right? Um, because it's got that emphasis behind it. And I think, you know, just as in uh, a theatrical performance, if you can bring various layers, um, a lot of depth to a character rather than it just being flat, that's when you really start to connect with people. You mentioned a few times, you know, connecting with people, people buy from people, be myself, all this, be my authentic self, all this stuff. One of the things that I, I love about your uh, brand, I guess you call it, your, your profile, you literally are calling yourself the Weird Al Yankovic. I was going to ask about this. I love it. So, what does that mean to you specifically? I love that you're embracing it. Yeah, indeed. Um, so around that that period that, you know, I felt like I was, I was banging my head against well, I, I actually went on some social selling training. Um, part of it being the fact that before I felt like I was trying to fit this corporate mold, uh, you know, gray suit, briefcase, you know, I need to talk in a certain way. I need to, um, it, it, it literally felt like I was reading someone else's lines, you know. Um, and throughout this process of, um, of the social selling training, one of the key things was, you know, just being human. Um, because that's where you can then start to build those connections. So um, the Weird Al Yankovic piece actually came off the back of um, some parody songs that I started doing um, as some content. Uh, initially, I, I did some Eminem ones. Um, I did Lose Yourself um, and uh, and since have done various other ones. So it just sort of, of worked. I think all too often do people put their job title as their uh, their tagline, but there's thousands and thousands of other people doing exactly what you're doing. And we've got to do what we can to stand out, right? So um, I'm hoping that leads people to go, oh, actually, let's let's take a look at his profile and then they can see, you know, a little bit more about me and, uh, and hopefully think, oh, he's a decent chap. I wouldn't mind having a, a conversation with him. I think that that's, incredible <clears throat> and i wonder if you make those videos and that content in a similar fashion to how you would use video to prospect directly or if they're different so maybe you could talk about the the nuances and best practices of like using video for content like that and maybe more demand gen yeah. versus using video to actually prospect or nudge deals along or even close a deal yeah for sure for sure so i think the the, the major difference is 
when you're using um, video within those early stages, you know, prospecting intros, it's really a case of, um, you know, it's all about connection rather than perfection. So don't sort of get yourself tied up about creating this perfectly polished video. Um, you just want to be able to really efficiently uh, tell a story, find a, a piece of insight that will resonate with someone in order for you to to earn the right, as, as your T-shirt says, uh, Richard, to earn the right to have that conversation. Um, as you obviously start to build that relationship, you've got a bit more flexibility in length of time and how polished it can be. You know, if you're um, walking through a proposal um, or, you know, uh, or, or even a contract where, you know, procurement legal are going to be involved, perhaps then you should maybe take a little bit of, of extra time to really um, have it nice and polished. Um, but you've, again, you've, you've won the, you've built rapport with this person. So someone's going to invest more time in watching those videos. Um, whereas the sort of content piece, it's, it's a bit more of a, a, a marketing-esque angle. Uh, trying to create something that's going to build awareness um, and uh, sort of a bit more of a broadcast channel, you could say. Um, and the way that I approach it is, is I try to be as professional and polished as possible. My skills, uh, my camera skills aren't, aren't great. I was used to being on the other side of the camera. Um, so I'm still working on that. But um, yeah, I just try and have a bit of fun with it, really. Yeah, I think... Um... Make sure I'm not on mute because Scott will eat me alive. I, I love that part about, you know, it's about connection, not perfection, which is, you know, I think uh, my challenge versus Scott. Scott's really good at better at the connection piece. And I'm, I always look for this perfection thing, but I really, that, that resonated really, really deeply. I appreciate it. Another question for you around uh, video and, and, and even audio to some extent, right? Um, as you prospect in the SDR world these days, um, do you use, as you use LinkedIn, if, you know, assuming you use LinkedIn, are you using, you know, not meant to be a plug, but are you using the video capability of Vidyard in the messaging? Um, are you using the audio? Do you notice a difference? You know, like, and, and maybe even the better question is, what kind of message resonates well with people? you know, when you're, when you're doing those things within LinkedIn? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. So um, one of the things that I've been doing a lot more recently um, is really keeping my eyes peeled for those people that host a video um, because I find that they have the, that they have the highest propensity to actually invest the time, watch my whole video and then convert. Um, so I think it's trying to find people that are familiar with with whatever it is you do um and then you know personalizing as much as possible uh, one of the things that that really infuriates me is when someone creates this this great video and i'm sure it's brilliant but then you uses a static thumbnail um you know there's tons of research that uh people are 27 times more likely to click something that is animated compared to something that is static so really try and create something that's eye-catching. Whether you're on someone's LinkedIn profile, one of the things I do is put my little bubble right next to their profile picture. 
I'll throw a little wave across to them and then, you know, start talking. Or, uh, you know, whether you use a whiteboard to write something, maybe write the prospect's name. There's an app called Big on your phone that you can just type something in and then you hold your phone up. It's basically any way that you can catch someone's eye and try and encourage them to to make that first click and then invest the time in, in actually watching your video. Is there is there optimal lengths? Is there do and don'ts like don't ask for a direct call to action anymore through the video? Is there any any like yeah. quick hitting tips you can give those out there using yeah. prospecting right now? Yeah, certainly. So um, always include video in the subject line if you're if you're sharing via email. Um, it encourages really? someone I've to never heard that open one. that email. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I've never heard of that before. That's really smart. Indeed, it sort of sparks that that curiosity in relation to the video itself. Again, it depends on where you're using the video. If it is that pure top of funnel intro prospecting, um, the sweet spot really is 35 to 40 seconds. After 40 seconds, there's a bit of a drop off. But after a minute, that's where you see a real real decline in in overall watch rates um so minute maximum but ideally no longer than 40 seconds there um in terms of call to action you know you can quite easily um have a call to action added to the end the start the middle of um your video basically dynamically pulling your calendar in so someone can book a meeting with you or take whatever that next step is right there um i'm really easily distracted whether it's my dog barking or coming up one in a cuddle you know my partner's ordered another amazon delivery and i've got to go to the door but it's these things that break our attention and then we just sort of forget about it so it's all about making it as easy as seamless as possible for um for your prospects to take that next next action as i said whatever it may be whether it's booking a call, taking a look at a bit of research. Um, yeah, so in terms of, of call to action, that that's certainly it. Um, and then, as I said, further into to the sales cycle you go, um, because you've got some familiarity uh, with the person, then you, uh, you're afforded a little bit more time um, in relation to the video, the length of the How video. How are you, you know, this is, you know, these are great best practices and, and I love getting into tactics further down the funnel, right? Um, are you using, say you've had a couple of meetings or it's post demo. Is it just, Hey, just yeah. want to say thanks for the demo. Is it, you're trying to put a couple of summaries in there, but that's also included in the email. Like what are, what are the, I, I think people see and hear video and they think prospecting all the time and yeah. Don't yeah. Yeah. So I'm just curious what those use cases look like for those who are listening or, and seeking to learn around this. Yeah, for sure. So following that um, that prospecting use case, uh, following up, using video to follow up with that initial message, right? It's not always that that video is going to be a one-hit wonder and someone's going to book right in. Um, so basically record a video um, and, and Vidyard's great for this because of the analytics piece. So I get notified whenever someone's watched a video. So my highest converting video at the minute is that follow-up piece. So 
I get notified that Richard has watched 100% of my video. So I'll go on to the analytics uh, page where you can see that notification that Richard has watched 100%. And I'll just record a quick video saying, hey, Richard, notice you watched the, the whole video. Would I be right in thinking that this is a challenge that you're looking to solve for? Um, I also noticed, insert, you know, additional value. Um, is it worth us having a conversation? If so, my calendar will appear at the end of this so, video. So this is fascinating because I think people would think that's creepy. I don't want to send that, hey, I just saw you looked at my whole video. Because <laughs> now all of a sudden, yeah. like I'm creeping on them. But But I also heard what you said too, which is, this is your most successful, one of your most successful tactics, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Another thing that I've done uh, recently is lean into that creepiness a little bit. So, um, so you know, some of the MQLs we get, if you follow up and you're like, oh, I noticed you looked at um, ebook Z, it is, as you said, a bit creepy. So one of the things I've done is I've got a set of binoculars and the opening of the video is me with the binoculars waving at them. Um, and the open rates and the watch rates, they're, they're pretty good, you know. Um, so I think it's about really leaning into it and just having fun with it. Um, really. Digiard needs to make you like their ambassador, right? They need to make you the social ambassador of best way. practices. Yeah, that... That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's what right. I'm trying to do. That's, you've been, yeah. you've been an SDR for three years now, you said? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, okay. We're going to hit the uh, mid of the show commercial here in just a second. But when we come back, we want to talk about the fact that you've been an SDR for three years. And I want to know how you feel about AI potentially replacing the role of the SDR, will it happen? And could you possibly do the SDR role for three more years before that happens? But before we get Jordan's answer to that, Richard's going to uh, do the Ms. Show partnership role. Yes, uh, one again, thank HubSpot who built their sales hub um, to help us all stay organized, achieve goals get everything all in one place so we don't have, you know, a multitude of windows open, uh, which is a, a beautiful thing. Also, uh, also want to call out our good friend, John Barrows. In addition to what HubSpot's on there, they created the HubSpot Podcast Network, which we're a part of. And on that is our good friend, John Barrows and his Make It Happen Mondays podcast. So if you don't know John, which I feel like everybody in sales, like, how could you not know John? But um, <laughs> maybe I'm, maybe I'm overhyping him, but Great sessions, always meaningful, thoughtful, tactical conversations around sales, SDR, AI, everything. And so please check out John Barrows in the Make It Happen Monday podcast. Jordan, let's come back to your thoughts around AI. Yeah, certainly. That's a, a really juicy question. Um, so I've got a few sort of trains of thought here. Um, I think that initially... What we're seeing a little bit at the minute is an already saturated sort of market. People outreaching, bombarding our buyers with uh, messages. You know, some some biz dev teams are, are really leaning into AI just to get that volume. Um, and it's, it's just creating a bit more noise. 
Um, when done well, if, if teams can leverage AI to um, basically pass on some of those more admin tasks too, so that they can free up their time to do the really high impact um, activities, you know, building those connections, then then that's a great way um, to use it. You know, can't remember the stat that I saw a while back, but it was something along the lines of salespeople only spend 30% of their time selling. Um, so if, if, you know, we can use AI to free up more time um, for those high impact activities, then great. Um, but, you know, additionally, I, I also understand that, that sales is a numbers game. So, you know, at the minute I'm using uh, Prospector, which is Vidyard's new tool, apologies for the plug. But the way I'm doing it is I've got my focus account list, the, 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 the businesses that I really want to build relationships with and work with, um, that I'm going in with that manual, really hyper-personalized approach. And then I'm using Prospector to um, pick up some of those ter secondary, tertiary sort of accounts that maybe, you know, aren't directly within the ICP, but there's there's a good good fit there. Um, and using, basically um, passing some of that responsibility off to, to a Prospector, which is an AI tool to identify those leads, enrich those leads, and actually write the copy um, to reach out to them. So I think, you know, there's certainly going to be places for, for AI to to uh, sort of own and to alleviate some of the burden that's on salespeople. But I just don't think we'll ever be fully replaced um, by AI purely because, as I said, what if people I, Jordan, buy from people. Jordan, what if I can make an AI video of you? Right. Because we're at, we're almost at that stage. Like Scott's Scott's created the AI video of, you know, the Skeletor uh, for for his training. Program. Yeah. At some point, you know, we can start to build that. Um, yeah. You know, could you see it's... that? I wouldn't say displacing you, but enhancing you in some way or. Yeah, so I, I'm not 100% sure exactly how much I, I can say um, without dropping myself in hot water. But well, as you, you said, said it all right there. Might as well, you might, you just gave a confession. So. It's certainly, it's certainly coming down the line. Right. Um, and, you know, again, if you can um, perhaps use these sort of videos for that awareness stage, then that's fantastic. And maybe at the point where there's, um, you know, a real buying signal or real engagement, then you pick it up. Then, uh, then I think that that's fantastic. You know, um, they're just, there's not enough hours in the day for, for businesses. You know, of course, time poor businesses will try and identify any way um, that they can to drive efficiencies. The worry though, or, or the concern in my mind is, you know, historically, when something that's cut from the efficiency cloth cloth works, we tend to work it to death. Um, we've seen something similar take place with emails. You know, you can drive crazy amounts of efficiency um, in email outreach, but it's starting to fall on deaf ears. Buyers are starting to tone it out. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's quite easy for people to identify when something's generated by AI. 
I think if you're going to use AI, be frank about it. Um, and then, as I said, pick up um, sort of manually uh, when there is real, real interest. Um, I think it, it it's certainly uh, uncharted territory and we shall see, you know, the outcomes. Yeah, it's, it's the, the interesting thing, too, is to some degree, because everybody's going to rush to AI, I can see the value of just, you know, standard video and audio. Like, hey, I'm real. I'm not an AI, you know, that yeah. breaking through, that breaking through the noise, right? Um, yeah. The authenticity piece. So um, interesting, interesting thoughts. Scott, you could, do you have a question or you won't? I've got another well, one. But we were thinking about, you know, this um, duration that you've been in this SDR role and kind of wondering, you know, most people want to move out of that role in about a third yeah. or half the amount of time that you've been there. Is this, is this a role that you never want to leave? Is this, is this like the new norm where somebody just falls in love with, SDR work and prospecting and that that's it that's the career path and like why do you have to move to be an AE or a leader or whatever like isn't just being an individual contributor as an SDR wonderful enough yeah so um I, I certainly see um a number of people uh in my generation they they're not necessarily wanting to take that traditional um, career trajectory, you know, move to a then senior leadership, you know, perhaps they move into a CS role an account management role, whatever it may be um, and stay a, as an IC uh, for myself. I do want to become an AE and then ideally move into leadership. Um, I think the reason that, you know, I'm at this point three years in is uh, the first two years I was I was working an agency that I built with with my dad um you know so you know I was working for various clients um helped to certainly broaden my uh perspective but I'd never had that that corporate experience um so you know I reached that point where it's my time to get off the bus um if I would have stayed with the business as, as it was growing, you know, I would have had to move into more of a delivery role. I personally love sales. So I wanted to, to follow that, that sales career. Um, so yeah, it was my time to get off the bus. And, and uh, as I said, Vidyard was a tool that I believed in. So uh, the stars sort of aligned, but, but yeah, in terms of that next step, I definitely want to become an AE. Um, I, I absolutely love identifying those, um, business challenges. I don't know if either of you have seen uh, Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. Um, there's there's a scene in it where um, Jude Law's character walks in on on Sherlock, and there's this board of like um, you know red yarn connecting all the dots. That's sort of how my brain works, and I love making those connections. Um, and that's what I see sales as it's problem solving. But yeah, the, the thing that's missing for me is continuing that relationship build throughout the duration of the sales cycle. So, yeah, I certainly want to become an AE um, and um, uh, and doing all I can to develop that skill set. So 
so that transition will be as smooth as possible. God, I feel like I'd hire Jordan right now. Like he's three years into the SDR role. Everyone and would hire him right now. I would, I would, I'm like, I'll look at your resume. Let's talk about your accomplishments. One interview and you're probably hired. hired. Yeah. Richard just you, uh, you are... tripled your salary. Yes. <laughs> which, which I also think is why people don't stay in the SDR role. They're kind of forced out financially. Financially. Yeah. As, of, as of now, um, in the majority of organizations, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, and uh, unless you want to move into that management level of SDR and sort of build the team, um, I also think too, you know, you know, Jordan's found a really smart niche around this video piece and probably understanding that acting piece to make it keep the humanity in all of it. Um, just seems like understanding that piece around the AI makes him also super valuable in that SDR world, right? Like sort of being able to approach it from a language that most of us were never actors. <laughs> we never had that kind of training. You know? um, so yeah, so everybody over at Vidyard, you need to promote Jordan. Uh, we'll send a message over to Tyler in a minute and just uh, tell him to make it happen. But uh, uh, <laughs> love that. So, well, this, this is the part where we sort of turn it over to you, Jordan. Um, what questions yeah. do you have for us? Like, what would you like to ask us? How can we help you? Yeah, indeed. So there's a there's a few sort of key topics or themes um, that, that I'd love to, to pick your brains on. I guess initially, um, with the sort of economic landscape that, that we find ourselves in. So this is my first real experience of working through um, economically uncertain times. Um, so I'd love to really sort of pick your brains on, you know, where have you experienced this before? Um, and I guess there's two parts to the question. So what can businesses do or what do businesses need to do that's going to be key to ensure that they not only weather the storm, but actually come out the other side on stronger footing? And then secondly, what what can or what does the IC need to do in order to, if one, stay sane, but also consistently perform throughout that period? Wow. Well, I can tell you that if we had all the answers to those two questions, Richard and I would be very, 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 very well off <laughs> because everybody on planet Earth is trying to answer those questions. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that we have the answers, but let's see what we can come up with. Yeah. So before Richard, I was waiting for Scott to sort of say, well, Richard's been around since the first depression, the twenties in the last He's been period. through like 17 of these economic right. periods. Um, you know, I think one of the differences this time is the level of technology that's available even from three years ago. Um, so I think people are having to figure out what is the right technology. Um, I think they also have to figure out how do we, you know, keep the humanity. That's sort of my big theme these days in this sales piece, uh, which I think you connect with really, really well. I think that leadership has to come to grips with the reality of just the, the goals are just not helping. Um, I think they are going to continue with the layoffs, you know, as much as I hate them, I'm, I'm glad to know people who have had jobs for the last year and a half or those who have had them. I don't like the layoffs, but you know, they are trimming the fat. Um, 
And then the last piece is really around messaging and, and organizations as a whole need to focus on the pains they solve, not what they do, right? Like, you know, Vidyard, you know, we help your sales team connect with people to, you know, through video to drive more revenue. Like that's a really good marketing piece, but that doesn't help you reaching out to a CRO or a VP, right? It, it's sort of saying, you know, this is something that not everybody's doing. Do you want to break through the noise? Because that's the problem every VP of sales has. Something like Vidyard breaks that noise in a very different way. You know, that, that sort of piece. Um, so, so refining that messaging around pains is probably the single most important thing. To talk about the pains you solve for the personas you sell to, not what you do. Nobody cares what we do. Other than we host Surf and Sales in November, there's three or four spots left. Go to surfandsales.com to check it out. Never, never stop selling. That's Richard's freedom. Yeah. Um, what can businesses do? I mean, I think that they need to put their loving arms around their best employees, number one, and try to find creative ways to continue to enable and support them, or they're going to run the risk of losing these employees. Um, whether it's for financial reasons or morale reasons or whatever. I don't think that gets talked about enough when times are difficult. I think immediately everybody goes to how do we save a buck uh, to keep the business alive as opposed to how do I make sure I don't lose Jordan if we're struggling as a business. Um, so I would encourage people to think about that. Uh, for the ICs, you know, I, I think that the difference for me now compared to the last kind of economic turmoil that I went through in let's say call it 2008 or 2009, you know, you have way more ability and capacity right now to earn a living through monetizing skills that you have than you did back then. There was no network. There was nobody who knew Scott or Jordan or Richard. Right. So being able to diversify your income streams, I think, has never been more important. You know, you, you need to supplement what you're doing in your W-2 job by, I don't know, creating a, a resource, you know, a book, a course, or something like that. Um, you know, if you've worked on your brand and your network, maybe there's different like inf influencer marketing campaigns that you can be on. Maybe you can teach people, you know, video prospecting 101 and run like a little coaching cohort, whatever these things are, those things weren't possible in 2008. You know, if they were possible, I was asleep at the wheel, but I don't know. They were certainly not as easily had. Let's put it that way. Cause you didn't have the same amount of, tools and networking capabilities, right? Um, and on that note, you know, I think it's time to lean into, uh, you know, go to network kind of strategies. Cold calling, cold emailing, cold video, prospecting, all these things. That's great as long as people are actually using the phone and using email and using their DMs and actually responding to people that they don't know. So when those dry up and we change behavior completely and we only respond to people we know, 
you better know a lot of people. And so I, I think converting your network growth into like a daily KPI um, is something that individual contributors can do to, uh, to help themselves perform well, stay employed, embrace for, you know, what could be a longer period of time of economic struggle. Yeah, great, great answers there. And I think, you know, the impact of, of community is, uh, is tenfold, right? Um, just wanted to focus on, on um, something you said there, sort of putting businesses having to put their loving arms around their, their top employees. Um, so, you know, mental health in sales is, is uh, well, it's, it's a pretty horrific scene when you take a look at some of the stats that, that are out there. Um, you know, 79% of salespeople report they're feeling stressed, 89% are burnt out, 25% have been diagnosed with with mental health disorders. Is there something in your eyes that businesses can do better uh, or do to better protect um, the mental health and, and just generally physical health of, of their employees? We'll give this one to Richard because he's super passionate about this and has talked about it a lot. Don't Keep yourself on mute, Richard. Take yourself off mute before you answer this question. Thank you. Um, the, the answer is yes, these are all things that matter. The challenge, and you know, I think it I think it could be different here versus where you are, you know, culturally from the States versus, you know, Europe. Um you know, in the States, sometimes organizations don't want to discuss this because it could create some sort of healthcare liability, blah, blah, blah. But they try to say, well, we have this helpline that you can call, um, you know, through the insurance company, which is not enough. Um, and I do know there are more organizations, particularly in the startup space, who are, you know, they're, they're actually now companies where you can dial in and get support, you know, where you can find therapists and stuff like that. So no companies are offering that. The key piece is, and I'll send this to you, by the way, as I've done for the last two years, the state of mental health and sales report, and we're actually collecting data now. So I'll send you that if you want to fill it out. But the key piece yeah, is the feedback we got was, you know, when you were most successful, what was your leadership team doing? And the things that were talked about were leaders were being vulnerable. They were sharing stories and that didn't mean sharing their own mental health stories. It meant sharing a challenge they've overcome and sharing, um, uh, you know, maybe they did have a, a similar sales situation. Um, it can mean, you know, I'm a big fan of telling, you know, sales leaders that they should record their calls and send it to the team and asking for feedback on what they could have done better. Like that level of vulnerability is what lets people know you're creating a safe space. Um, the other feedback was that uh, they felt that they had purpose. They felt that they were connected to the other members in their organization, which brings up the whole work from home, you know, um, hybrid piece because it's harder to make that happen, but it can be done. Um, so I think that that's a big piece. I think wrapped around all this, particularly in sales, particularly in the startup world, is that very few sales leaders and leaders in general in our space have zero training or coaching themselves on managing human beings, how to handle this, how to discuss this, how to do this. Like I, 
my first management job, I was 23 out of college and working at the Gap. And I had to tell one of my sales employees that they had tremendous body odor. Nobody trained me on that. Nobody taught me how to have a very uncomfortable conversation with, you know, someone of the opposite sex around a very personal hygienic thing. And so I think that's the piece that's really missing. Um, and then when you combine that with the traditional pressure, particularly in sales, of you still have to hit the number, right? You know, it's kind of like, I don't want to hear about everybody's trigger. I don't want to hear what's triggering you to have a down day. Like there's still some of that mentality out there. So, so the key is to find out what your team wants and how to create a safe space and being able to coach to it. Um, but you're right. It's, it's a, it's a super important topic. And thank you for asking. Yeah. I, I, I'm really looking forward to, to receiving that, uh, the state of mental health um, quiz. And, and so some of the key takeaways that I got there was it's really about being a people leader um, mm -hmm. actually uh, resonating with with what drives that person what makes that person tick um, and equally you know um, downfalls isn't isn't the right word but but you know vulnerabilities um, you know identifying them and, yeah. and being able to navigate that. that that's the biggest piece right and a, as humans, none of us like to be vulnerable openly. <laughs> then on top of it, you know, sort of the traditional sales mindset isn't necessarily wired for that. Um, it's also, it is also why I think, and I'll say this, uh, I think my most successful leaders have actually been women. Um, I don't know if it's because they have a more nurturing attitude or if they're because they were mothers um, or maybe it's something I just needed that extra attention from that perspective, right? Like maybe some of my own psychological bullshit, um, who knows? But uh, I do often see and, and hear that that's been a huge piece. Um, so for what it's worth. So if I offended anybody, well, sorry, not sorry. That's been my experience. So uh, I think we're, we're at the tail end, my man. So Jordan, thank you. Um, one, how can people get a hold of you? And two... Where can we find these fabulous, weird sales owl videos of you? Yeah, indeed. So I'm super active on LinkedIn. Uh, Jordan Abbott, J-O-R-D-A-N-A-B-B-O-T. Um, as you mentioned, the weird Al Yankovic of sales is my tagline. Uh, pretty much all of my content goes on there. It also goes on a YouTube page that I've got called The Sales poet which is uh, certainly more geared towards uh, those parody songs um, and then I'm also uh, fairly active in in various communities a uh, number on guild which is a platform a community platform um, but yeah you know always inbox is always open always happy to to have a conversation I'm a bit of a an avid whiteboarder so I find any opportunity i can to jump up and have a little scribble or or brainstorm um so always open to do that if if any of the listeners have any questions queries ideas anything that they want to unpack good stuff appreciate you spending time with us today jordan wishing you the best as you close out the year and we will see everybody next time on the surf and sales podcast or in costa rica in november surfandsales.com there you go scott that was just for you all right thanks jordan
Thank you very much, gents.